Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everyone. It's Nick Bradley here, and welcome to Scale Up Your Business for this week, another Monday, and another 15 minutes to action. And for those of you new to the podcast, I do these every week, and the whole intention here is short, sharp, precise (laughs) episodes, insights, tactics, tips, strategies, that you can take away and you can apply to your business literally as soon as the episode is finished. Equally, if you are starting on your entrepreneurial journey, you're in that startup, scale up, whatever whatever part you're in, I try and offer different types of content here that's going to help you and serve you on your way. So of late, I've been talking a lot about buying businesses and why right now it's a huge opportunity. I've talked a lot about the fact that there are baby boomers retiring and a lot of them are business owners. They have good, profitable businesses. And the shame of all that is a lot of those businesses are going to close down. One in 12 actually sells. So the opportunity for us as entrepreneurs to, to go out there and buy these businesses and be able to create value by scaling them is just something that I have never seen, certainly in my lifetime. And I would argue it's one of the best times in history to, to look at this. And I'm conscious of the fact that I've talked about it with so much assumed knowledge that people are kind of, hey, Nick, I want to learn about this stuff, but I don't really kind of understand it. And, you know, you've got years of this private equity thing going on and you talk about it like it's just such a simple thing, but I just don't even know where to begin. So what I thought I'd do in the space of about 13 minutes left is unpack this. Just go back a bit, step back a bit and just kind of give you a little bit of the uh, what it is and just referencing a little bit of kind of how it works. Certainly in the frame of some of the bigger corporates, the publicly traded companies, because you hear a lot about that's where M&A or mergers and acquisitions happens. Um, I effectively work at the bottom end of that chain. I work in businesses that are between 1 million and 10 million in revenues because I like to bring them together and then scale them and then sell them to create wealth, create value in that way. But let's get into it. So Mergers and acquisitions, or M&A as it's called, is a general term used to describe the consolidation of companies or assets of companies through various types of financial transactions. And that includes mergers, it includes acquisitions, but it also includes consolidations, tender offers, and purchase of assets, and sometimes management acquisitions, which I'm going to get into today. Okay. Now, it's important to understand here that mergers and acquisitions hold different meanings. They are often used interchangeably, but they're not the same. So to be super clear on this, when one company takes over another and establishes itself as the new owner, that purchase is called an acquisition. And from a legal point of view, the target company ceases to exist because the buyer absorbs the business. And if it's a publicly traded company, the buyer's stock continues to be traded while the company's stock ceases to exist, okay? Now, on the other hand, mergers, if you like, they describe when two firms of approximately the same size 
join forces to move forward as a single new entity rather than remaining separately owned and operated. So this is sometimes called a merger of equals because as I, as I mentioned, it's effectively businesses of similar sizes, but it's where both companies, let's say the stock again, using that sort of publicly listed example, it's when they are surrendered and new company stock is issued in its place. And there's an example of this a few years back where Daimler, Benz and Chrysler, they ceased to exist when the two firms merged and a new company, Daimler Chrysler, was created. And quite often when that happens, you'll get the CEO and the board, they agree that bringing the businesses together is going to be a better thing all around. It might be creating more sustainability, certainly more value for shareholders, as opposed to trying to go it alone. Okay, and there's different reasons why you would look into that. But just to sort of unpack that, that's what it is. Okay, so let's get into the other sort of form. So as I said, mergers is when, you know, the, the, the board of directors of two companies approve the combination of those companies coming together. Acquisitions, certainly a simple acquisition is the acquiring company attains the majority stake in the acquired firm. And, you know, basically that's where, you know, the ownership stakes change. So when I buy a business, when I acquire something, I'm effectively buying all of it. I'm buying all the equity in that business and then I become the the owner of that business. Of course, I might sometimes buy businesses with others and then we share the equity. But, but ultimately speaking, I'm taking ownership, taking control of the company. Consolidations is where uh, a new company is formed through combining the core businesses and abandoning the old corporate structures that can exist from the the previous entities. So again, if you think of the shareholders of both companies, they must approve the consolidation and the approval of that. uh, And then they receive kind of common equity shares in whatever the new form of that is. So this happens, again, I'm looking at some examples here on Investopedia back in the late 90s, uh, Citicorp, and Travelers Insurance Group announced a consolidation to the market, and that's when Citigroup, the financial institution, was born. Tender offers is when one company offers to purchase the outstanding stock of the other firm at a specific price rather than the market price. So the acquiring company communicates the offer directly to the other company's shareholders, bypassing the management and the board of directors. Uh, these things, again, happening quite big deals. So there was one in 2008 where Johnson & Johnson made a tender offer to acquire a, uh, a pharmaceuticals company called Omrix Biopharmaceuticals for $438 million. So the acquiring company may continue to exist, but it depends on what's going on because most of these tender offers result in mergers. So just understand it. It's certainly not an area to play. It sort of happens up the chain, but it's good to understand the broadest possible um, universe, if you like, of what this M&A covers. Acquisitions of or acquisition of assets is where a company directly acquires the assets of another company. The company whose assets are being acquired must obtain approval for this to happen from shareholders. And the purchase of assets is typically is typical during things like bankruptcy proceedings where the other companies bid for various assets of the bankrupt company, which is liquidated upon the final transfer of assets to the acquiring firm. So this happens quite a bit in distressed situations where the asset value of a company is actually more than the whole entity. And therefore, you look at doing an asset purchase as opposed to buying the whole thing outright. 
And then the last one is really what we call management acquisitions. Uh, sometimes these are called management-led buyouts, an MBO, and that's where the company's executives purchase the controlling stake in another company, taking it private or, or just taking ownership. And this happens quite a bit. I've been involved in this personally beforehand where, you know, I've got together with, um, this is a long time ago now, I got together with some other uh, employees, if you like, in a company, and then we've bought the company off from the owners um, while actually working in there in the company and then paying that off at, over time. So I sometimes talk about things like seller financing, where you buy a business from the profits of the business over time. That's quite a common way of doing things uh, in a management um, buyout process. Okay, so that kind of gives you a bit of a sense of the types of mergers and acquisitions. I appreciate there's probably a little bit more detail there than, than you wanted, but I often think it's quite good to get into that detail so that you can actually understand how it all works. Um, what I'll do now is talk a little bit more about mergers because I've talked a lot about acquisitions overall and it's good to understand the different types of mergers and then I'll just finish this episode off today by just going into some interesting questions if you like around this whole area. So mergers are pretty cool because they, they're really based on the relationship between the two companies involved in the deal because it is the coming together of some degree of similarity or where there's some level of equality in what's going on. So to talk about why you would do this. So firstly, there are things called horizontal mergers and that is when two companies that are in direct competition uh, and share the same product lines, the same markets come together because it makes more sense for them to be one entity than to try and compete. And where that would happen quite a bit is where there's a lot of fragmentation in markets, where there's lots of smaller companies competing for um, a scarce amount of customers in a geography or whatever else, and actually scale matters there. So going together with your competitor or maybe two or three of you come together and you all merge, that bigger entity has a stronger chance of dominating versus the fragmentation. Okay, so that's an area where you may consider that. A vertical merger, on the other hand, is where um, a customer and company or a supplier and a company um, effectively kind of move up and down the chain. <clears throat> so it's like buying, a sort of merging with your supplier. So um, the example that I was looking at beforehand is if if you are a ice cream cone supplier, you would merge with an ice cream maker to make an ice cream cone. <laughs> Silly example, but you get the point. You know, combining your product or service with an adjacent product or service makes sense because you can combine the whole thing together and serve the potential customer, the consumer, in a, in a more deliberate way, in a more focused way, which can reduce costs and make the business more profitable. Okay. The next one to, to understand is what we call a con-generic merger. And that's when there are two businesses that serve the same customer or consumer base, but they do it in different ways. So an example of that is you might have a, let's say a TV company that makes TVs. Um, you might have uh, someone else who goes and makes, um, uh, I was going to say DVD recorders, just showing my age or, or something like that. But effectively, it's home entertainment. It could be like something like where you've got um, Sony, for example, that makes TVs, home stereos, it makes PlayStations. But, you know, there's a point where they're, they're going after the same market. It's people who want to, you know, buy products and services around home entertainment, but it makes more sense for them to come together to be able to offer a broader range of services within that particular niche. 
Okay, so th those do happen quite a bit. And it, again, it's the, the whole idea of the one plus one equals three or more. Um, another one is called a market extension merger. And that's where you have two companies that sell the same products, but in different markets. So there could be someone in the US or someone in the UK, and it makes sense to, to merge to be able to um, fulfill or exploit those markets more intentionally. And then you have what's called a product extension merger, which is where two companies are selling very different but related products in the same market. And that's kind of similar to the congeneric merger that I mentioned previously. And then the last one really is you have what is called a conglomeration. And that's where there are two companies that have no common business areas whatsoever. And you think, well, why the hell would they come together? But I was involved in something similar to this when we uh, did some acquisitions of 14 companies and we put them together to form a group and sell them to one of the largest private equity firms in the world. There weren't that many commonalities, but there was a point where just the scale mattered. So sometimes, you know, you can create groups, if you like, by merging just two really big businesses together. And even though it doesn't look like they fit you can take cost out of the back-end processes. You can have all the operations delivered by one team, for example, servicing two or more companies. And this is called what they call synergies or synergistic value. And the ability to be able to bring things together, take cost away, again, increasing profitability, increasing shareholder value is, is the main basis as why you would consider any of these things. So if I pause there for a second, you've, you've got to look at M&A really as, as really really big scalable value creation or really big scalable growth because the bringing together of the parts and then being able to make them work efficiently and effectively is where is where you can start to kind of get you know significant levels of scale so the reason i suppose in many cases i did the podcast and started this and started to want to talk about this is because a lot of people don't talk about these more strategic instruments opportunities that we have in front of us and I just think that's a missed opportunity. It doesn't matter what size of business you are. You need to be thinking about these things in different ways because, you know, as you start to get bigger and you start to think about, it, you know, how you can grow, sometimes, as I said, the sales and marketing stuff just, just starts to hit its natural ebb. And if you want to grow quicker, you're not growing fast enough. You've got to look at some of these other types of instruments. Alrighty. So just to finish off the last uh, couple of minutes, um, I just want to kind of cover some of the bits and pieces. So firstly, one of the questions is, why do companies keep acquiring other companies through M&A, right? Well, two of the key drivers of, of, I suppose, capital markets are competition and growth. You know, it was always said to me that if you're not growing, you're dying. So you've got to be driving growth. So when a company faces competition, it it has to cut its costs and it has to innovate. And sometimes it has to do that at the same time. And a solution to do that more effectively is to acquire competitors so that they are no longer a threat. So I've been involved in that in companies before. And also, if they have to kind of create new product lines or innovate, sometimes it's easier to buy that, to buy the intellectual property, to buy the human capital, to buy the customer bases, because it's just going to get you there faster. And speed always matters. But things are moving so quickly in the markets today that pace has never been more important. Okay, so that's why you see a lot of it. Um, and in terms of, you know, I mentioned beforehand, you know, how does how does M and A activity affect you know shareholders and, and and value creation and all those sort of things? So I'll finish off with that today. Generally speaking, in the in the days that lead up to a merger and acquisition, uh, any shareholders of the acquiring firm will see 
you know, a temporary drop in share value, certainly when you look at public markets. And at the same time, shares in the target firm typically experience a rise in value. And often, this is often due to the fact that the acquiring firm will need to spend capital to acquire the target firm at a premium to um, the, the sort of share price, if you like, before the takeover. But after a merger acquisition officially takes effect, the stock price usually exceeds the value of each underlying company during that pre-takeover stage. And it's this, if you like, when these things are happening, you you get this kind of um, influx, if you like, of value. And so when you look at the the shareholding of both companies, um, they may experience this kind of dilution, but then obviously when things come together, it, 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 it increases. So this is where you sort of see, and I don't want to get too much into the investor markets on this podcast, but that's where you sort of see people who are looking at trading um, off M&A quite a lot and they're hedging their investments and they're looking at the different valuations and all those sort of things. They're doing that because they're starting to see this transition. They're starting to see that the fact that there's a point where um, the synergies, as I mentioned before, of the entities coming together um, is where you start to kind of get that more exponential growth. Okay. So again, I appreciate a lot of this is is complex. We're starting to get into, into the kind of stock market and, you know, I'm not here advising you on how you should do that. I'm certainly not a financial advisor or ever pretend to be. But what I think you need to understand here, and, and I know a lot of my investor listeners are going to like this episode is you've got to understand the things that create value in your business. It's not just about the customers. It's not just about the products. It's not just about the way you can dominate a market. It's the way that you unlock the vision that you have with a very compelling strategy that balances all the different opportunities in front of you. And I'll finish here by saying that M&A is something that you need to know as a business owner. You need to understand it. You need to understand the opportunities and you also need to understand the risks. And if you have any ambition one day of selling your business to create wealth, to create freedom, all the stuff that I like to talk about, then this is something that's going to come into your path at some way or another. And it's best to learn it now and understand it. All righty. So that's it. I've done that super quick. I've gone over 17 minutes. I'm oh, sorry. But I wanted to kind of cover that whole M&A and go a bit deeper today so people could understand the different things. And if anything, you know what, when these terms come up, now you may have a better frame of reference to be able to understand it and uh, then to make any informed judgments or decisions. Okay, so that's it. A more technical 15 minutes to action for today. As I always say, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now. And there you have it, another episode of Scale Up Your Business. Thank you very much for listening. And if you haven't yet, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show become even better. And while you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button to help you on your scale up journey. Now, perhaps you're thinking of growing and scaling your business. Perhaps now is the time. If that's you, then please check out suyb.global. That's where we have all of our programs, including the Growth Accelerator Partnership, the Maximize Value Partnership, all of our services, and of course, coaching and mentoring. Once again, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Until next time.